With a country divided, the republic at risk, and morality being redefined, it's time to gather around the campfire, get back to basics, and spark the revival that this country so desperately needs. This is the American Campfire Revival with Kirk Cameron. I don't know if you think dogs go to heaven, but uh, you know, if, if ever there was one that I'd like to be with me there, it's this little dachshund named Lila. Uh, I'm really excited because uh, so many of you have been writing in and writing your comments. You've been encouraged, and some of you are joining uh, the rest of us around the country and around the world uh, at your own campfire. And you've been building campfires uh, in your backyard. Some of you have been doing this in front of a fireplace, but inviting your kids, and we have this time to be together, to pray and, and, and ask him and, and make heartfelt requests with gratitude in our heart for what we wanna see in our homes, in our, uh, in our communities, and across our nation. So I'm here in my backyard. I, uh, I'm so glad that you've joined me, and um, I know that all of heaven is listening as we pray and as we praise. Let's, uh, let's join together and let's, let's pray to the Almighty. Our Father in heaven, we know that our, our only hope in life and in death is you. There is no one greater than you, Lord. There is no king that we look to that flies in on Air Force One to bring blessing and protection to our nation. Lord, there is no emperor, there is no czar, there is no prince who can solve the greatest problem that leads to the devastation that we see, and that problem is the sin problem. Uh, right in the middle of the word sin, Lord, uh, it's been reminded that the center letter is the word I. And, and when my life becomes all about me, myself, and I, things start to deteriorate. And you solved the sin problem. You solved the pride problem and the selfishness problem. And you did it by sending your son. And so we thank you for him. He is, is our only king. And we love you and we serve you. Uh, and part of our service is by listening to you here as we look into your word and as we uh, look into the history of what you've done in creating this country. And we wanna get back to your purposes for our nation. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, again, I'm reading through this great book that I absolutely love called The American Covenant. Uh, the Untold Story. I've got a hardback copy signed by the author. These are kind of hard to find, but the paperbacks uh, are available if you search for them. Uh, you know, if you've noticed, there's a lot of talk in, in, in the media and in academia about how faith, the thing that is precious to you and me, has no place in the public square. It certainly has no place in politics. It shouldn't have really any place in the, in the workplace because uh, somehow uh, th that's where all the problems stem, is from people of faith or religion that has been the source of, of wars. And, and while people have used religion or false religions have, have been used to uh, further someone's personal or political agenda, uh, th that basic concept couldn't be anything, uh, th that couldn't be further from the truth. But you know, people of faith, uh, sad to say, have, have been duped by well-educated people who don't have faith that learn how to use the, just the, the tricky questions or the phrases that guilt us into compliance or submission or relegating ourselves outside of the public square. 
and just hiding in our pews and thinking our faith is just a personal thing not to be imposed or pushed on other people. And, and, and we don't wanna push it on other people. In fact, we know that it takes the power of God to open someone's heart to the truths of our faith. And so we don't, we don't want to push it on other people. We don't want a government to force faith on people. But we do have to understand that our faith is essentially important to bringing America to where we want it to be, to bringing our, our homes and our marriages where we want it to be. And so I wanna talk a little bit about that today because there's a big question that needs to be answered if we're ever gonna to get to the bottom of where does our faith fit into our culture? There's an anti-God culture that wants to rip God out of everything, as I said, uh, and, and they'll say things like, well, you, you want a theocracy. What you're talking about with faith being involved uh, in the public square or in government is, is basically uh, a theocracy or a church, uh, I'm sorry, a, a church-run government. Well, that's the furthest from what we want. But, but some Christians, because they don't know their history, and myself included until recently, think that those are the only two options. Either we have a church-run country, which we know we don't want because we read the Bible, that's not right. Uh, and we see that happening in other countries and we don't want that. We don't want the Church of England. We don't want the Church of, of, of some other country uh, to be the Church of America. We don't want that. Our founders didn't want that. But we think the only other option is, well, then no God at all. Just a secular government, a secular society, and everybody can do their own thing in private. Well, we know where that leads. Uh, you actually don't end up with no religion. You actually end up with a different religion called secular humanism, which has produced more foul results than any other. And we could look through history to, to, to look at all those statistics um, of the death and destruction produced by secular humanism, because ultimately man sets himself up as the ultimate authority and causes everyone else to bow down to them. Uh, those are evil dictators. Now. There's a third option that, that I wanna tell you about, and our founders understood this. There's a third option that allows justice and freedom for all people, brings blessing to everyone, both believers and unbelievers. And to understand the answer uh, to what that is, we gotta ask the question, what is the, the meaning of the separation of church and state? You've heard it, it's, it's used as the battle cry for those who want to rip God out of all of culture. There's a separation of church and state. There's a, there's a wall of separation of church and state. Now, let me ask you a question. Where did that phrase come from? Uh, do you think that that's a phrase that is in the Constitution? The separation of church and state. Sounds like it is, right? But it's not. It's not in the Constitution. Do you think it's in the Declaration of Independence? Uh, no, it's not. It's not in the Declaration of Independence. Is it in the Bill of Rights, the first 10 uh, amendments to the Constitution? No, it's not in the Bill of Rights. Hey guys, it's Kirk here. Did you know that another option to traditional insurance even exists out there? I get that it may come as a surprise since we're so conditioned to think traditional insurance is our only option, but that's simply not true. My family has been using Christian healthcare ministries over the last several years, and I cannot recommend them enough to other like-minded believers looking to do things differently than what we've been told to do. CHM is the faith-based alternative to insurance. And most importantly, with CHM, we know that our money is going to help other fellow Christians when they're in need. And this is how we like to steward our dollars when it comes to healthcare. Are you tired of your healthcare the same old way and want to do things the better way? 
I highly recommend you start by checking out CHM and see if this is an option that could work for your family's health care. It does for ours. It's not harder, but it's different in the best way. Learn more today by visiting chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. Again, that's chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. The separation of church and state is a phrase, it was a personal phrase used by Thomas Jefferson in a personal letter to someone who was a person of faith uh, in a group of Baptists and Congregationalists uh, from Danbury, Connecticut. And they asked him his position on what is the role of government with regard to the church. Now remember, he understood that that the founders had come out of countries where the king or the government controlled the church. And it was the king of this, this country became the king of the church. And what he said is, no, 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 you don't have to worry about a king controlling the church or an official government church because there is a, there is a wall, an impenetrable wall that keeps the government from reaching in and telling you, the church, what to do. The church is free. The church is, is sovereign in its own, uh, in its own s- sphere of sovereignty. The, the king's not going to come in and, and declare that you're the, the, the official government church. And, and, and that was to their great relief. The church was going to remain free. The government was going to stay out of the church. And what protected the church from the government sticking its, its controlling hands into the church? This wall of separation between church and state, as Jefferson put it. And, and, it's, and actually, it's a good concept. It's a biblical concept. It, it's, it's, it's a right concept, even in the Constitution. But uh, what does the Constitution actually say? Here's, here's actually what the Constitution says. It's the First Amendment, and it says this. It says, uh, I'm going to find it here. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Okay? So what that means is that Congress or the government, that that branch of our government, is not going to make a law that establishes the Baptists, for instance, as the American religion or the Presbyterians as the American religion. They're not going to endorse the Jewish religion over the Muslim religion or uh, uh, any sect or denomination over another as a law in the nation because they're not allowed to do that. And that's what the second part says. Um, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Everyone is allowed to, to practice their own uh, exercise of their religion. You can worship, you can have your religion, you can live it out in all areas of your life without the government getting in the way. Because there's a constitutional protection there, which Jefferson called the separation of church and state. So, uh, we need to understand that because this is how Bible reading got taken out of our churches, out of our schools. This is how prayers got ripped out of our kids' education uh, at, at school. This is how the Ten Commandments got taken down and not allowed to be posted in courthouses because those who want to take God out of everything have used the separation of church and state to say it's, it's, it's unconstitutional and it couldn't be more wrong. That's exactly the opposite. Uh, in fact, there's a great quote here that I want to read to you. And this is uh, from Robert Winthrop. Robert Winthrop said this. He said, it may do for other countries, 
not, not America, but other countries and other governments to talk about the state supporting religion, like the government supports the religion. He said, but here, under our own free American institutions, it is religion which must support the state. Do you hear that? In America, it's religion that must support the state or the, the, the religion that should support the government. You see, religion, true religion, as the founders called it, genuine religion from the heart, not just an external form of do's and don'ts and, and uh, checking off religious boxes, but a love for God and a love for your neighbor needs to support the government. Why? So that we have good people in government and not bad people. I mean, the church, uh, the, the church, the collective body of faith is the incubator for good morals, for integrity, for faith. It's the incubator for, for people of virtue, people who trust God and are people of courage. And those people that come out of that incubator or that school of faith then go into areas of leadership in the government and make good laws and they lead the people well, and they're happy. They come out of that incubator of faith and they go into the educational world and they teach our children morals and, and good laws and they teach them about liberty and they teach them about our true history. Faith in America supports the government. The government is to stay out of the church's business and let the church govern itself. That's the real meaning of the separation of church and state. And that's the real understanding of the First Amendment to the Constitution. I have one last thing to mention here, and that is, there's a dirty little secret behind why, why those who twist the First Amendment and use that phrase of separation of church and state so often in the media. And the dirty little secret is, it's to frighten faithful people like you and me and get us to run away from the poles and back into the pews, right? You don't belong there. You and your faith, you and your religion, you and your God. Don't muddy, muddy up society with that stuff, you belong back in your Bible study. Go and sing your songs and, and, and chant your chants and, and, and do your rituals and you can have a private little time doing that, but don't bring your faith into the public square and definitely don't bring it to the voting booth. And you know what, it's worked. In 2016, 40 million registered, I'm sorry, 40 million Christians stayed home during the presidential election. And this last time, it got a little bit better, but there were still 25 to 30 million Christians, people of faith, who stayed home and did not vote. Now, I know you may say, what about uh, those who did come out and vote? And what about the corruption? And what about the fraud? And what, that's a whole nother subject. We'll talk about you know, corruption and, and crime and theft another time. But I'm just talking about, we need to understand that our faith does no good when it's compartmentalized to a pew. It needs to be comprehensive and we need to go out into the polls and into the public square, all sectors of it, and bring our faith to bear on everything that we do. Because everyone has a value system and we have ours. Someone's values will reign supreme 
and God's ways are always the best ways. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this time today, for this little, this little campfire revival that we hope you will start. And we pray that this, this fire will spread like wildfire, like a grass fire all across this nation. Lord, wake us up. Thank you for the gift of 2020. Thank you for the gift that is coming in 2021. Lord, you've invited us onto the stage of significance. Lord, we want to wake up and we want to bring our faith with us everywhere we go. Show us how to do it, Lord, and be like our founding fathers who left us such a great example, our forefathers before them that risked it all to give us the opportunity to do this, to bring you honor and glory and fulfill your purpose for this nation. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the American Campfire Revival Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more and join the movement, visit KirkCameron.com.